the greatest ending of pretty much any movie ever. You get this big emotional moment, you know, Brendan Gleeson throws William Wallace's sword, and then you see him charging across the field with his rubber battle axe. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the What's Already Podcast, where we fashion ourselves cinematic Judge and Jerry. My name is JJ Crowder. I'm here with my co-hosts, Matt Zaneiner. Better red than dead. And Alec Burgess. Let's get it. We appreciate you tuning in. Go ahead and hit that follow, subscribe, like button, the bell notification so you get notifications on all of our episodes. Tell a friend about us. Help us grow the podcast because we appreciate it. We mm-hmm. are here to review the movie Braveheart. It was released May 24th, 1995. It stars, it, well, sorry, forgive me. It was written by Randall Wallace and it was directed by Mel Gibson. It stars Mel Gibson, Sophie Marceau, Patrick McGowan, Angus McFadden, James Robinson, James Cosmo, Brian Cox, Barry Govern, McGovern, sorry. What about Brendan Gleason? Whoa, easy term. Did you miss Brendan Gleason? I mean, I'll say Brendan Gleeson. I didn't miss Brendan Gleeson, but I just got lectured about my long ass script, like cast lists. He's like the best friend. Well, I also didn't talk about. Oh well, now my brain just locked David up because you're driving really me nuts. All right, what are, what are we doing Irish. to my? Just stop. Let me the squibbling, squabbling children. Let me let the common folk know this. Movie comes recommended by yours truly, aka the real Ginge, aka Better Red Than Dead, uh, Braveheart. Come on, people. What a movie. JJ's going to try and crap all over this. He's probably going to be accomplished by Alec, the boring one. This movie, while very long, I will fully admit there is things that could be chopped, nipped, sucked out. But man, you can't replace a man on a mission. A man. <laughs> whose heart is broken, a man whose country has just been shit on by England for years. Come on, William Wallace. And this movie claims to be based on a true story. I'll tell you right now, there ain't a whole lot of truth there, but it's damn good. <laughs> the, the, the boring queen, one? The, I'm the, the boring one? The Queen of France does not exist. There is not a romantic love story. I don't know if people could make love back then because y'all were stinky. And but they found a way people still live. But my goodness, this movie has one of my favorite scenes in all of cinema that we will get to. But this movie starts off with some of the best opening music and landscape scenes in cinema. JJ, you can take away that this movie is too long, that this movie may not make a whole lot of sense at times, but this movie is damn entertaining and it involves a lot of rocks, swords, blue face paint, and yelling. <laughs> I'm, I'm, and it's compelling. I'm, I'm trying to figure out where the fuck I gave the impression that I have a hard time with this movie. This is like one of my favorite movies of all time. Like, I'll oh, I thought you were going to hate this movie. No, like, I love Braveheart. I think it's some of the best movie music ever written. I think, I mean, it's long, but it's entertaining. I think, like, I'm with you. I think there's some parts, especially now that I watch it as an older gentleman, that could be cut that aren't necessary. And like you said, the history is wildly inaccurate. But 
it's worth watching. Like I, yeah, I, I don't know why you would think I didn't like, I love this movie. Like it's got some of the best one liners and this is how I learned to use my terrible Scottish accent was watching this movie over and over as a kid. And that I Mel Gibson has a lot of problems in this world, but there is a small span of his life. He took magic and he put it in a bottle and this man between the Patriot, between Braveheart, I'm generally when someone can act that good at being like upset and kind of angry and like off kilter, part of that's real, or at least is the way that I believe it. And Mel Gibson, I'm sorry for the real people in your life, but damn, thank you for bringing it to a movie because you can play a crazy Scott like you were born in that country. Oh yeah, he plays what crazy well, but that's because it's partially real. I will poo-poo <laughs> you on the the Patriot because that movie blows ass, but. Maybe that's why you thought I would hate (laughs) this one. But no, this one was great. Now, with all that said, Mel Gibson's Scottish accent gets worse every time I watch this movie. So that is one. Like, it's terrible. (laughs) I'm willing to overlook it. But yes, it's not the greatest. Yeah, no, it's, it's pretty bad. Especially when he's surrounded by a bunch of actual Scottish actors that you can compare it to all throughout the movie. (laughs) So, but yeah, no, I thoroughly enjoy this movie William Wallace's uncle though some of the best advice you can ever give someone when they're growing up he's going to teach you to to learn use this which he points to the brain before you use that which is the sword let that just be a model for life it's true that is true if more of us well I say more if more of us you go from that to also this movie recommends that you should always moon Englishmen which sounds like sound advice Hey, I have to say that I have a relative, like an ancestor that's portrayed in this movie. So you might be a redhead, Matson, but I am descendant of Scottish royalty, bitch. That's right. I am directly descendant from Robert the Bruce. So that's nice. Cool and not cool because he was not cool and then cool. He was always cool. I was going to say, only in this movie. (laughs) (laughs) Only in this movie. (laughs) Robert the Bruce was a straight badass. That's why they called him the Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Just in this movie, they made him look like a little punk ass bitch for a second. Yeah. But. He was the first one of 17 that they called the Bruce. Like, this is the guy. Yeah, he was badass. Yeah, he's a, my mom's huge into genealogy. And so, yeah, I've known for a very long time that I descended from him. So like this movie, well, I think one of the things I like about the most is this movie has personality. I mean, you go down, down the list from William Wallace to King Edward to the uncle to Robert the Bruce to his dad. To, I mean, we haven't talked about Hamish and Morrison, who is played by Tommy Flanagan. I mean, there's so many people that just bring it. And for me personally, like King Edward, what a G, just that dude that does not care. He's like, I'm going to push my, my son's advisor out the window. And you know what's going to happen? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> that scene, when I first saw it, I was like, wow, this man has no chill. That's fair. Yeah, it's pretty brutal, which is is historically accurate. King Edward I was a dick. But and you could get away with all that and more. You think about it, true. like I've read stuff, like, what are, what are they going to do? Nothing. Well, yeah, I mean, especially at the time, like, 
he didn't care. He just did not care. All he wanted was power and and to grow the his kingdom. And yeah, he was a dick for sure. There's just so much about it. like this movie has one of the best memes out there. Whenever you're trying to help your friends hang on, persevere, <laughs> just get through something. Hold, hold. <laughs> I love that speech when he's going up and down the up and down the line and just, just pumping up his troops. And I mean, oh man, it just and the the freedom chant like William Wallace, Mel Gibson definitely stirs emotions. I mean, I've seen this movie. I think it's a movie I've actually seen the most in my life, which is saying something because I don't want really watch a ton of movies. Just the speeches and the delivery and the emotions. I mean, when you get to the end, when he's being stretched out like Gumby, like, oh, you just feel it. You feel for him. And I think that part was actually somewhat real. Like they actually tortured people like that. Oh, yeah. They disemboweled mm-hmm. him and quartered him and hunt him up all over England. Yep. Yeah, it stretched like Gumby, dude. And he he took his opportunity to just yell a little bit more. Like, Ugh! and the music, just can't get enough. All that together just tugs at a man's heartstrings. Yeah, I will say that the music in the first, that first major battle, and I always forget where it's actually at, but the one where he's got to convince him to stay, as the Calvary's coming in from the English Calvary's coming in, and it's got that, like, really quiet, really calm Scottish like lilt music to it. And then that there's like this jolting ding, 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 like really syncopated sounds like a marimba, but anyway, you get this really cool high pitch, like, Ooh, tinny sound. And then it goes back to the calm and cool collected. Some of the greatest, seriously, some of the greatest music. And who wrote this music? Cause they kick, butt. like, it's incredible. Yeah, you're right. Uh, James Horner. Ah, James Horner. And he's he's one of the best. I mean, this may be his best ever scored movie. Like, incredible. I'm trying to think of another movie that rivals this. I mean, there's got to be, there's got to be something out there that's pretty good. Oh man, so good. I think anything. No one plays the bagpipes anymore. Wow, that way, probably not outside of Scotland, but. Go to the Renaissance Fair, Matts, and they yeah. play them there all the time. That's I know. Fair. I need to go. Like I go for that because it's such a unique instrument. I've yeah. seen it. My I had a, a friend in elementary school that played, and I still remember. Like if I can go back in my mind and, and be there during, it's just such a in your face sound. I'll give you a band to look up. Look up Tartanic. Mm. Tartanic. Mm-hmm. They perform at Renaissance fairs, but they're straight bagpipes and big drums, and mm. their music is phenomenal. So go check that out. I think they have it all for free, too, on their Facebook. I think so. Oh, I take this back. I just found James Horner also scored one of my other favorite movies of all time that has an incredible soundtrack, Apollo 13. Don't take backsies. Yeah. Man. (laughs) You said. You're a real G, man. 1995 was a good year for him. Space and Scotland come together. Yes, it was a very good year for that, man. Yeah. No, yeah, that's, I was, in fact, I was, we were watching it last night and I was telling Casey, I was like, I forget how good the music is until I watch this movie. And then I'm like, oh yeah, I remember. And then I end up listening to the the score for like weeks at a time because it's just so damn good. Um, I want to talk about my favorite scene in this movie. I just need our listeners to know (laughs) this scene every time I feel for the man. So I, I, I'll just be straight up with the listeners. We had to watch a lot of Stranger Things and I'm 
going on a vacation. So I actually didn't get to watch all of this movie and I didn't get to, I'm watching my favorite scene right after this while I do some housework, but before I leave, but there's a, it's towards the end when they're culminating that final battle where William Wallace is trying to get all the nobles to come and fight because if they had, they had enough of the, the manpower to overcome, but long story short, the nobles don't show up once they concoct that plan and, and kind of trick the, the English army. And so Wallace gets angry, gets on his horse and starts to go after some of the nobles on the English side. And he catches up to this individual that the whole time has been wearing like a jousting helmet and ultimately throws him off the horse and the the helmet comes off and you just see it, just see it on Wallace's face in that scene. You could just see the shock, the despair, the life sucked right out of him. All of the, the energy he'd been put into the, the Scottish countryside and the people to get them riled up to say, let's take our country back. Right then and there, you saw it was gone. He was just like, I did all this. And the one person I thought was with me and not against me was against me. And you just feel that. And then the Bruce takes that into the just talking to his father in that room, in the dark room, he's been cooped up because he's, I think he's a leper or something of that sort. It looks like he is. And just the despair on the Bruce's face as he's telling his father that he wants to be loved, that his hate will die with him and he closes that door. Those two back-to-back scenes, man, honestly, I don't know if I, I can think of some better acted scenes in cinematography for me. Like the emotions that I feel during that, Every time I still watch it, it lands the exact same. That delivery is incredible. Yeah, I'd agree. There's a handful of scenes in this movie that are just extremely... Like when he, when Murrin gets killed and he oh. comes riding back into the little village and he's just calm and collected and then just goes ham. Then when he's dragging that freaking magistrate down the mountain and he like throws him up against the... And he doesn't even say anything. He just looks just slices his throat and walks away. Like I just, that to me is exactly the way someone like him would do it. You know, he's, he's smart enough and intelligent enough that he's just like, you're done. I don't care. And he, he just doesn't care anymore at that moment. And he's not thinking about Scotland. He's not thinking about freedom. He's just thinking you're dead. I, (laughs) and I will kill everyone to get to you. And it just, yeah, that moment, I really, Really like that. But I also, when he goes after Lachlan and Mornay, oh my God. Like when he rides into that dude's bed and hits him in the face with that flail, like just, yeah. That shit gave me nightmares when I was a kid. That's a bad way to go. Oh yeah. Mm -mm. I'm out. In your own bed and your face gets crushed by a giant iron ball. I'm out. That's not okay. And then I love that. Lachlan just falls out of the rafters while they're eating dinner. Like that shit was great too. Like, yeah, he's a boss. Great movie when it comes to that kind of like the impactful scenes of this movie are pretty, pretty major. I will say that they hated horses in this movie. Jesus. Like (laughs) the amount of horses that get wrecked in this movie. But there's quite a few. One of the most impressive things about this movie, and I don't know if you guys knew this or remember this, but all of the major battles were practical effects. And like they went and got all these people and they charged the battlefield and they were actually swinging and they put like blood packs and like they choreographed this in the the mayhem that that would have had to have been. 
And I'm sure as a producer or something, like Mel Gibson's like, yeah, we're going to do this, this, and this. And they're going, fuck me. <laughs> like, what the hell? Mm-hmm. Because the amount of money that it would have cost at that time, and I mean, it's just unheard of. But, but it, it certainly made like, for you, great battle scenes. Think about how many movies we see now that they have like the main couple of characters that are amongst the battle. And then you can tell it's clearly CGI or they do like overarching shots and people in the movie, you know, CGI. It's funny how technology at times doesn't always deliver. You can't beat the real thing. And that's why it still looks so good today. It's because of what you just described, JJ. Yeah. I think the best part about that though, is that it was also a little bit of a happy accident because most of his film was shot in Ireland. And so they use like the Irish army reserves to like have a second job as being movie extras. Um, Cause they're pretty much used in every movie, but all their different kind of companies they use were all rivals. So when they said, okay, you're going to charge them and just beat the shit out of them. They're like, absolutely. Thank you very much. And so a lot of the action was even more than what they were expecting to happen because these guys were just having fun wailing on each other. I do laugh because if you like once you've seen it and you're not paying attention to all the center stage action, there's a couple of moments where things Uh, slow down and you can see in the background guys just fucking around, like barely swinging a sword and like dicking around. And it makes me laugh to see all that shit. But there's no way to control that many people on it but yeah and they got to make it look like it was so i laughed like there was one i saw this time for the first time watching it and i was just like oh my god look at these guys just fucking around back there it's so funny so i did they're always gonna have that moment how cool would that be to to be like it's me yeah (laughs) steven is my favorite character in this movie i don't give a shit what anybody says like his introduction is one of the greatest back and forth interactions ever like nothing father. yeah nothing makes me laugh harder than when he's like to find a an equal an irishman must converse with the almighty <laughs> it's just like or is forced to talk to god or whatever it is and then when he finally is like the almighty says don't change the subject just answer the fucking question <sighs> i just i love it and every scene with him after that is like the Almighty says he can get me, he's pretty sure he can get me through this, but you're fucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> loved every moment with that man on the screen. It's just, it's good stuff. I love it. Yeah, Steven's my favorite. Oh, he's awesome. I love his interactions with uh, Hamish. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they're just like, I mean, you have Brendan Gleeson and James Cosmo, who are like the two manliest men to ever man. Yeah. And they they look the part, right? And then you've got David O'Hara who comes in a little bit smaller, but just as, you know, give and take. And it's almost funny to watch him dance circles around these guys in the dialogue and in the scenes. And he's always there, but he's always just like, yeah, fuck it. Here we go. Mm-hmm. And he's like, there's one point where like right after the big main speech, like he's got to make some joke. He's like, nice speech. Now what? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's just, it's so good. And then he's like, I'm going to just be yourselves. What are you going to do? I'm going to go pick a fight. (laughs) Oh, he didn't get dressed up for nothing. (laughs) Yeah. No, I, it's fantastic. Yeah. Steven, I look forward to him being in the movie every time he's in there. And, And then he immediately follows up with saving the dude's life in that weird hunting scene. But yeah, I just, I really enjoy 
his character and how it plays and it gives that lighthearted but serious too because i'll tell you at the end during the torture scene like watching him and hamish watching the whole thing like man they did a great job of the serious stuff too so yeah i just really enjoy it. it's a great movie no question about it and the acting's really good if you can get past mel gibson's accent yeah my parts of this movie, since it is so long that I find myself wishing is like some of the scenes with the queen and things of that nature. I think they could have shortened it up a little bit. And like, if I was looking for it, to kind of nitpick, but overall, I mean, it's definitely in my top 10 for sure. If not my top seven, maybe top five. Like I, like I, I, I say it. <laughs> that was a random I'm number. Trying to, I'm trying to narrow it, trying to narrow it down. It's such a good movie. It's just, I wish at times I wish it was a little bit shorter because some of my all time favorite movies like the dark Knight, Braveheart. There's just long movies and you definitely have to plan to sit down. Cause this is a movie again, like I've said about the dark Knight. If, if you want to appreciate this movie, you've got to give what this movie asks of you, your time to be emotionally invested, to be present. So it can really have that impact when you get to the end of those scenes with Wallace and understand what that really meant, the culmination of what he gave to his people and that he didn't give up even at the end that inspired Scotland to kind of rise up and, and take back its country to an extent. And yeah, just from the one-liners to the music, to the action scenes, to the character development, just phenomenal. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think like, look, back in the 90s, they had to have a love story of some sort because yeah. that was just their thing. But I hate it. And for multiple reasons. One, it's unnecessary. To me, it detracts as well. Like his whole thing with Queen Isabella or Princess Isabella at the time. One, I don't even know if she was born when William Wallace was alive. And so that part bothers me because I'm like, she, this is silly. And two, her son was definitely not born of William Wallace. So there's a lot of like outlandish shit that happens because of that story. But to, more importantly to me is it diminishes the whole point of what starts this thing for William Moss in the movie. And that is the death of Murrin. I'm like, look, I get that you're going to, she reminds you of her or whatever it is and it's going to trigger, but I would rather it just be what it really is. And this man triggered a revolution based on the fact that the English just pushed him too far. He was trying to be a peaceful dude and he got pushed too far and let it be. You could have cut the entire Princess Isabella shit. The only part of that I like is when she taunts King Edward Long, Longshanks at the very end. That's the only part of that that for me is has payoff. But yep. the rest of it, it didn't it didn't add any value to the movie. That's a great F you moment. I'll say that. Oh, for sure. And watching him not be able to talk and he's just hacking up his lungs because of the consumption. But it just, yeah. I feel like they just took those liberties to add that story, that love story. And I realized at the time that was important, but it adds like a lot to the movie that just oh yeah didn't need to be there. I think you it, could add a two and a half does. hour movie if you cut a lot of that stuff. So boy, on us, if they had cut a lot of that, like I'm not, I won't give this movie a five. It's mainly because of that, because it detracts and it makes it slow. If they, if that, this movie existed without that, this movie would absolutely be a five for me. Yeah. No, I yeah, like, I love it. It's a great movie, but, and you know, and I can't overlook that because most movies that are based on historical events and, and places and people have some inaccuracies to it. Like we've talked about a lot of movies that are based on historical, but this one is really bad. Like it's, it's, well, it's as bad as 
Is it Batman Remember the Titans? It's so hard for me to love that movie as much because it's so untruthful and, and to the point where I'm like, you didn't have to, you didn't have to do that. And they do that in this movie too. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and to be honest, like William Wallace gets a lot of credit for being like a revolutionary, but to be honest, at the beginning, he was just kind of a thug. Like he just rob British caravans for money. Like it wasn't about the freedom of Scotland that didn't come until later. And then he got dragged into it because he was a very large human being <laughs> and a great fighter, but he wasn't, it had nothing to do with actually at first, at least giving a shit about the freedom of Scotland. He just kind of became a knight because it was a way for the nobles to control him and then have him lead part of their revolution. And really all he did was just sack a bunch of, caravans and things like that and he was part of the battles but it was mostly because he liked to fight so yeah i think the only accurate thing in this movie is that he sacked york yeah <laughs> that's mm. the only actually accurate thing yeah but the, for me like this movie was never about that and I, I know most of the time when hollywood says based on a true story or inspired by true events i'm like okay that then there's maybe five or 10% truth. But a movie like Remember the Titans even more so, they lean into the truthful nature of it and that they really get some convoluted things at the end. And honestly, when I was little, I didn't know if this was really true or not. And the older I got, I was like, oh, they pulled more from this, but it standalone, even if you didn't think about that, pretty incredible. Oh, for sure. And technically the killing of the magistrate, that actually happened. It just had nothing to do with a woman. He just did it for the sake of doing yeah. it because the guy pissed him off. So there were, it was sprinkled with some truth. I just, and again, I wouldn't change it. It's still an entertaining movie. It just, it's very interesting. I will say just to kind of give, so they brought back, no, if you guys know this, and I don't remember where it's at, but there was a TV show they did that they brought back Angus McFadden, McFadden as mm -hmm. Robert the Bruce for a show based on a more historical, accurate telling of was Robert the Bruce. The Outlaw King? Probably. It might be. I don't remember what it was called, to be honest with you. I stumbled upon it, and I still need to watch it. No, it's just called Robert the Bruce. Huh. It's a movie called Robert the Bruce. I thought it was a show. Maybe there is a show about him as well, but yeah, no, they really they brought him back for one called Robert the Bruce, King of Scots. Interesting. Yeah, and Angus McFadden wrote it. I guess... After playing him, like Angus McFadden kind of become became obsessed with what it was and, and the story of Robert the Bruce. So he, yeah, but yeah, he wrote it. I've, yeah, I love it. I was excited to watch it because I haven't watched it in years. So it was kind of fun to to break it out and do it. But I think that's the, the reason it's so good is the moments and the scenes. The war's cool. The battles are great. They're fun to look at, things like that. But it's the emotional moments in this movie that really make it for me. Because there's some scenes, like, especially, like, every time that Wallace is pleading with Robert the Bruce to unite him and to lead him and do those things and watching his battle he's having with himself between his father and, and wanting to do the right thing and to be a patriot and but still wanting to balance between being a noble and, and being a Scot, like, it's some of those moments are the best moments to me in this movie and really add the value and make the length of it worth it. So kudos to the writer and yeah, great movie. Any final thoughts? 
Final thoughts on my pick for the common folks. Let's just be straight. If you have not seen this movie, it's going to require a little bit of your time. But William Wallace requires that time. If you want to get inspired to go do your chores today, go to work next week after a long 4th of July, there is no better man to lead you into victory than Wallace himself. If you want to understand the emotions behind getting a country on your back, this man will take you there. Watch this movie, appreciate the music, appreciate the practical effects, the battles, the acting, all of it. Phenomenal movie. I don't know when I'll watch this movie again because it is an investment, but I watch this movie at least once or twice a year and every time is a good time. Love it. Alec, final thoughts from you. <laughs> I'm going to shit on Matt's parade just a teensy little bit. <laughs> I like this movie, but it's, it's such a, like I always view this as a Scottish propaganda piece. And that's how I get away with some of those inconsistencies that we talked about with like um, the new King of England is an illegitimate child from Scotland's greatest hero type of a thing. Cause like even the final battle, like that one, then their independence for about, a year yeah. and then you had Kaladin and they went right back under English control. But I, I, I think I mentioned this before on podcasts. I like sequences of events. So I, this is a very focused, you know, this is Scotland and England, but if you look at the brighter or the bigger picture, you can see the things that led up to this. So, you know, the, the whole Scottish revolution wouldn't have got off the ground if England wasn't occupied with crusades and then at this same exact time, the Catholic Church had decided they didn't like the Templar Knights anymore. And so you had this big issue with France rounding up Templar Knights and just killing them and, you know, trying them for heresy. So that's why you don't have the French coming up to help out. And so it's a real kind of cool thing where if you zoom back out, you can see that this revolution was more of just a happy circumstance, which is what a lot of revolutions are, is the opportunity comes up and it's like, OK, it's go time. So I really enjoy it, but I like looking at the bigger picture and the bigger picture is it was just opportunistic yeah. for the Scots and didn't really win them anything. That's the other thing they don't talk about when he sacks York is that York was spread so thin. There was like hardly any soldiers there when they sacked it. So it wasn't even like they make it seem like it's some big deal in the movie. But in the in the reality, mostly it was just old men, women and children that were in York when they did it. There was a hand. I think there might have been a garrison there at the best that they went up against, but yeah, it's, it's and, a good point. And the Irish cares? pot, or the <laughs> Irish pot with the English maps in. Yeah. If you're going to go base your historical guidance off of movies, you are ill-advised sir. read a textbook, do <laughs> use the internet in proper ways. This is just meant to be an entertaining movie about a man helping a country get back on its feet. With I can see why he really likes the Patriot, JJ. I know, right? <clears throat> the Patriot, I love revolutionary history. I have to throw all that but out the window. But it's all wrong. <laughs> like, oh, like it's, so, it's, it's so wrong. Here's but, the problem, though, Matt, and you have people who actually believe this is yeah. what happened when they watch the movies. Yeah, and those common folk out there, I can't help you, but in the Patriot, <laughs> I just love seeing a father fight an Englishman that has no morals. And a man steal another man's dogs. <laughs> oh, God, it's so bad. You got to suspend all that. But if you're going into it for historical reference and this is marketed as a movie that's supposed to be truthful, then you're right. 
crap on this movie, but neither movie and Braveheart, especially never claimed to be a movie that was going to be historically accurate to an extent in that regard. Just watch the movie and be entertained. That's why I said it's a propaganda piece. I like it, but it's a total propaganda piece. (laughs) Let me pull a page out of Russell Crowe in the gladiator. Are you not entertained? (laughs) Also another very good movie that is probably horribly historically inaccurate, but is it a great movie? Damn straight. All right. Well, I love Braveheart and I will poo-poo on it just to Mattson got me going because assumed I was gonna dislike this movie. And then I realized how much he absolutely adores it. So I had to push some buttons. But it's one of my favorite movies of all time. Like I watch it, I used to watch it constantly, and I still listen to the music quite often. It pops up on my feed when I'm working. I I listen to a lot of classical music and a lot of soundtracks and scores when I'm working because it keeps me focused. But this one pops up all the time because it's some of the greatest music ever. Yeah, there's there's some weird historical things and it's a little long, but overall it's very entertaining, very fun movie. I love it. So yeah, it's a great call, Mattson. Good choice to bring it, bring it back. Let me, let me lead us in our, our rating. Yeah, go ahead. Well, you already heard I'm not giving it into five, but you already know what I'm going to give it 4.5. Come on. I've already said why it's just, it's some of the things literally JJ just said it's long and not knocking for the historical inaccuracies. It's just that love story. If you could remake this movie today and do the everything, but kind of subtract that this movie would be a perfect five for me. Incredibly acted. Some of the best movie score it's, it's up there with the best of the best of the best the scenery, the cinematography, all of it top notch from, from start to finish. Love this movie. It gets, this is a movie for me that it tugs on my heartstrings. That scene that I described, like I feel it every single time. And for a movie to be able to do that through the years to me, it's just the markings of it's well acted, well scripted, and just something to, to be beholden. Really enjoy it. Definitely. I'm going to give it a four. I really enjoy it. I think it's great. I have to shit on a little bit because it makes my ancestor look like a putz when he was an actual freaking country hero. Like the man's was a badass. But overall, look, I'm with you, Mattson. It it really there are some seriously emotional moments, and you can't help but like feel like excited, and you get some adrenaline when they're screaming and running across the battlefield, and then you get the emotions when Murin dies, and when there's the fights and the, those betrayals, and it's crazy. Well written, well acted. Wildly inaccurate, but an awesomely fun movie that's just a little long and and really played into the 90s tropes that needed to be done in order for a movie to be successful. So I can't really blame it too much for that, but it does. It is unnecessary, especially when you watch it in 2022. You go, good Lord, there was a lot of things that just didn't need to be there. But overall, fantastic movie. Alec, what's your rating? Three and a half. Whoa, that's aggressive. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) I mean, I really like this movie, but there's a few things that, you know, just kind of ruin it for me. And one of the biggest ones is I think this has the greatest ending of pretty much any movie ever. You get this big emotional moment, you know, Brendan Gleeson throws William Wallace's sword, and then you see him charging across the field with his rubber battle axe. (laughs) that's fair that's fair this this is a man who looks like he was born holding a battle axe like get him something that does not 
jiggle, jiggle, and get him something that folds. Oh my gosh. Oh my God. Um, That's funny. I forgot about so that. It's like you have this, this great, beautiful ending. And then he's just, you know, charge across the field. With a rubber axe. You know, the rubber axe. Like, That's funny. Yeah. And so there's little moments like that throughout the movie, but I still enjoy it. And I still love sitting down and watching it. I love the bagpipes. And I mean, the kind of the trio of James Cosmo, Brendan Gleeson and Brian Cox, because they make movies that they're in even separately way better. But mm-hmm. there's a couple where all three of them are in the same movie. I think this is one thing. Troy is another one where they're all in the same movie. And it's just they're just incredible. So I want more of them. Where have they been in the last couple of years? Besides getting old. I was just say they're old. <laughs> <laughs> Especially Cosmo. I, is James yeah. Cosmo even alive still? Probably not. He was like 60 when they filmed this. Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, he's old. But 74. Is he? 74. Yeah, he, he old. He's but, still, uh, good he's still alive, though. Yeah, he's, yeah, put him in a movie. You know, so he was three and a half for me. He was in Game of Thrones too. Like he was one of my favorite. He played the they all three were in Game yeah, of Thrones. I know. I think. Well, I don't know that Brendan Gleason was, but the other two for sure were. Wasn't he one of the small Johns or one of the Umbers? He might have been. John, yeah, it's possible. I'd have to go back and look. But I do know for sure James Cosmo, I mean, he played a big part. So because he was the head of the Night's Watch. Mm-hmm. So all right. Well. Great movie. Great choice, Madsen. Tell everybody where they can find us. Man, I really just want to refute a lot of what Alex, should, Alex just said right there. But <laughs> we don't have time to do that. Like, I don't know why you're going to give a movie a three and a half for someone holding a rubber battle axe because the movie was awesome when someone who likes black and white movies with people that don't do anything except over talk on screen, AKA. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Like at least this movie is visually appealing and exciting and makes you feel emotions where a Maltese Falcon, you're like, are we done yet? And that movie's way shorter and much more boring. So (laughs) case rested. If you want to see me get roasted based off that opinion right there, check us out on TikTok, our other social media channels as well. Come listen to us at whatsourverdict.com to see what we have upcoming. Check us out on Spotify, Apple, Ghana. We're all there. So come search for us, find us, listen. We got tons of TV shows upcoming. Excited for Thor, Love and Thunder, Bullet Train. Got Miss Marvel going. About to release the last part of Stranger Things and The Boys. Starting the Terminal List that's coming out. That just, just came out on, on Amazon Prime. Lots of things happening. And if you want to make fun of Alec, please do. <laughs> Definitely. Lots of opportunities for fun stuff from across the board. I feel like I'm going to get a break from TikTok for about a week. So I appreciate you, Matt, in this review because my roastings might get a pause for a while. So <laughs> there it is. He's um, Falcon. And if you, you know what, <laughs> shine back in and tell us to never review a black and white movie again because I know y'all hated it because none of you listened to it. So <laughs> let us know. Man. By that same logic, we should never review anything made it like 2020 or in color for She Dies Tomorrow. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> hey, I, I fully own She Dies Tomorrow. You can make fun of me for that all I want. That was that was a poor decision. I was sick in the head. But you will continue to recommend black and white movies. And I, I will. Love. And here is why. Do you like the Goonies, Matson? Yeah. Sloth loves black and white Errol Flynn movies. Right. So are you saying that you disagree with Sloth? 
from the Goonies? Absolutely. Oh, jeez. Baby Ruth. Hey, you guys. Oh, I'm going to have to add that one to the list because I love Goonies. All right. Well, there it is. Go check I'm us out. I'm not done yet, JJ. Uh-oh. Like, let's just, listeners, I mean, you're recommending some stuff I'm not super excited about. Charles, we're talking to you. But I swear, if you make me, if you recommend just to spite me a black and white movie, make it one that at least is like Dick Tracy or something, please. That's not... <laughs> That's black and white by choice, not because it was that old. It was like a 1990s movie. Like, oh man, that's funny, man. Better not let Casey listen to this episode or we'll get all sorts of recommendations. Casey doesn't count, JJ. She loves, loves the old school movies too. Because they're good. Yeah, careful or we'll end up watching Gone with the Wind. You think it's bad when it's an hour and a half long? Wait till it's a three hour long black and white movie. No, thank you. Oshi, if you listen to this, rain elegant, please. (laughs) She doesn't like black and white movies. I make her watch them anyway. Or Hobbs. Hobbs, I can see you back. Hobbs loves black and white movies. Shaking your head. He's he's been questioning if he's been able to see color all of his life, but because of the movies he watches with you, he's unsure. He's freaking off his rocker back there. Poor guy. Oh, at least he acknowledges he's a real person at this point. All right. Yeah. I'm raining you two in. Let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, with that, as always, we appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you on the next one. Boy. Cinemagic out. <laughs>